0: Welcome to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. I am Danny, one of the pastors here at Waypoint Church, and I am joined by Pastor Eric and a special guest, our children's director, Megan. Megan Klingler. We're so glad to have you guys here. And Megan, uh, first time, second time on the podcast, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. You, yep. were, you Last time you were here for...
1: Foster care discussion. Foster, oh, that's right. Yes. Foster care.
0: Okay, well, we're so glad to have you. I'm Last time you didn't get to share a little of your bio, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Megan.
1: So as Danny said, I'm the director of children's ministry here at Waypoint. Um, I've been a member of Waypoint since we launched, so I was wow. part of the launch team and part of Waypoint Kids that whole time, um, but I spent the last few years, I'm a social worker by degree, and I spent the last few years in the foster care world until October when I started in this position.
2: Okay wow yeah so, which has been a huge blessing to our yeah yeah we are grateful so, to have
0: you and grateful that god brought all these experiences and gifts that you had and that you were there from day one with waypoint kids and now you're guiding and loving and caring for and directing our children's ministry and our children and their parents so yeah we're thankful for you thank you that god worked out the timing for you to be able to to have this role at waypoint uh as you're finishing up your first year as children's director Uh, Give a few highlights. What has God taught you? And to be honest, in all of church, modern church history, there's never been a time where the children's ministry was closed for a quarantine. (laughs) Uh, So it's definitely been unique. But yeah, what are a few highlights and what are some things that God has is teaching you and has taught you?
1: Yeah. So... I definitely never saw myself in this role. That's for sure. That was a surprise in and of itself. Um, But this has been a good place for me to do some emotional healing from my last job. Um, But in, in this role, especially during coronavirus, I have been forced to really simplify my understanding of Bible stories. So, if you're a parent, you're getting a Waypoint Kids guide from me each week to help you um, teach your kids Bible stories. Mm-hmm. And so, in writing those guides, I have to come up with some really simple biblical truths. Like we're talking, God provides for his children. Um, really simplify the story and how it connects to Christ. And so, before i mean sure i did that sometimes but not to the extent that i have to do it now to really understand and help parents Mm -hmm. um know how to simply teach their children so um having to do that has been just really good for me in my walk and unexpected grace of covid for sure
0: wow it's it's that's awesome it's amazing you say that one of my favorite seminary professors would always, like, he was probably the most popular, one of the most popular, well-known professors at the seminary, but when students would come to him and they'd be like, what should I do while I'm in seminary? Like, should I work at a mega church or should I do this? And mm-hmm. everybody had all these big ideas. And he would always say, teach children. And they'd be like, what? I didn't, you know, I'm not called to do that. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, unless you can convey the good news of Christ and convey the biblical message from, you know, Genesis to Revelation to children, you're not going to be able to fully teach it to adults. And uh I, I well, wow, it's it's interesting you hear you say that. And I yeah. we're gonna to continue to pray for you as you do that. And we're here to support you as as parents and as staff. And yeah, we we thank you as we're here with you as you go on that journey. Uh,
2: yeah, it's a sweet ministry to yourself too, to be able to yeah. take like to take hard theological truths and to condense them down to the basics and to even just be what a ministry to yourself to be preaching the gospel to yourself weekly and trying to mm-hmm. see how this full picture is, is really pointing to Jesus. And, and even teaching others, being able to mm-hmm. teach others how Jesus read the Bible and how he saw, the, how he understood the big, big picture of what God's doing and revealing himself. Have so any of the kids awesome. stumped you with the question? Are they have I they don't tried? Know, maybe
1: they've stumped their parents. I, stumped don't know, their parents. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they tried to here, stump.
2: Yeah, like, we we this don't. was <laughs> my outlet. The, the, the parents are sending the kids to you so that they yeah, didn't ask you the questions. Right. No. Yeah, well. I
1: have heard in the Bridge Thirty Five class, our third through fifth grade class, they have asked some really good questions okay. about how Jesus is in the whole Bible. So,
0: no, my kids did ask once. Did Jesus pass gas? <laughs> like, <laughs> I won't say which one did it because I don't want to indict them. But <laughs> yeah, they. My kids asked some funny questions when they were little, but then as they got older, yeah, definitely. And it's it's important. And and one thing we want to stress during this podcast, as we're walking through how we're learning the Bible and and learning from the Bible together as Waypoint, is that you may not always have the answers. Even us as pastors, sometimes Mm -hmm. someone's going to ask us a question, and we may have a general answer, but we, God, you know, some of these things are hard, and Mm -hmm. and seeking scripture and seeking god's counsel is not always oh there it is there's the you know two sentence answer sometimes it really does take us digging deep and and reflecting on our own our own lives our own sin and and looking at the reality of the church and and what god's doing in the world and what the scripture says so yeah i commend you and uh yeah, so what's the point podcast? We're gonna to continue to keep growing and Jesus tells us to have faith like a child, so
2: Yeah. One, it's funny, somebody one of the youth asked actually asked me a question yeah like several weeks ago about Balaam in uh, in numbers. And you know, it's you just you never know what kind of question you're gonna get and how hard it is and you know, it's you learn very quickly to have humility because you're gonna be asked something and not surely you're gonna not yeah. know the answer to it, but I felt like I dodged a bullet because he asked the question about Balaam. I was like, who is this guy? And he didn't even ask about the donkey. The donkey. You be like, have you seen Shrek? He's yeah. like, is that, is that your only question? Or do you have more questions? Like, I, I'm I'm not going to give you more questions. I'll just try to answer what you got. But okay, just crazy stuff. Wow.
0: Well, we are glad to have you guys here. And we are... We have finished the sermon series on the Pentateuch, and actually today in our Bible reading plan, we started it on January 1st, 2020, uh, we finished the Pentateuch. Today is the last day of the reading, the last uh, chapter of Deuteronomy, and tomorrow starts Joshua, and uh, which Joshua is technically just a continuation of the story. It, there's no break. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a continuation of, of the people that God brings out of, of slavery in Egypt into the Promised Land. But as you've been reading the Pentateuch, this is the first podcast where we're going to talk about the New Testament readings because the Mm -hmm. Pentateuch has been so difficult, not so difficult, but so many deep theological topics and so many things that maybe you just haven't thought about that were brought up. Most of our What's the Point podcasts have been about the Pentateuch and these first five books of the Bible. But today we're going to talk a little bit about the New Testament reading. So we read Luke and then we read acts 1 through 18 and then just this past week we jumped to james and we'll go back to acts in the bible reading plan we jumped mm-hmm. to james cuz that's what we're doing in our uh, sermon series but what is what are some things that you learn through this discipline of just reading the bible in general and then looking at the old testament and the new testament side by side
1: I think, um, so like I mentioned, I've been spending a lot of time in the Old Testament, condensing that down, simplifying. So I've really... um, For the kids' ministry. For for kids' ministry, yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah. So I've really learned, I've just spent a lot of, I guess, thought capacity on the Old Testament, more so than in Acts. Um, But regardless, I've been encouraged that the same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. Um, I think we often think of God is really different in the Old Testament, um, way more like like a meaner God, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. But
1: I think reading through the Pentateuch, I've seen like, what a kind and gracious and merciful God.
0: Yeah, he is patient. We see. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Like the whole tabernacle situation, God did not have to like give instructions for this beautiful dwelling place for him to dwell on earth, but he did. Um, and that... It was just a, a kindness, um, and it, that's the same God, the same righteous and merciful God that we see the believers really depending on throughout Acts. Okay.
2: Yeah, I think from a practical standpoint, just, I mean, for one, its it's been hard doing the Bible reading plan and, and trying to be in three or four different places at once mm-hmm. um, of just learning how to try to read all these different books and their different contexts and trying to understand and go deeper. And sometimes like you're kind of going back and forth between just trying to catch up. So you're reading huge chunks, mm-hmm. but then you want to come back and you want to you want to kind of dwell or, or sit in uh, some of the other passages. But I think that one thing that, that I've really been grateful for is just to, to constantly have an eye toward the Gospels and to constantly have an eye on who Jesus is and what he's doing and letting that be a context for even reading the whole entire uh, bible and and trying to understand, okay, like how can how can I see this in light of who Jesus is? How can I like kinda as Megan's talking about, how can how can I understand the the fuller scope of, of the Pentateuch and, and what Moses is trying to teach these people and what, what God's doing among this people and establishing them, giving them a, a land and and God's presence being among them and then Jesus being the, the true like God's giving them all these symbols and all these pictures, all these categories to help them uh, hone in on on this one person. He's saying this, these these systems and and these uh, these offices and these these types of people are all pointing to this one Messiah, and and so to kind of have that in view constantly and and those things in tension. It it's definitely uh, trying to to figure out how to balance all of that, but it's also been something that like I've, it's been a challenge that I've enjoyed trying to tackle.
0: Awesome, and uh, on that note. You know, my kids, even when we first came up with the plan, you know, they were like, oh, we just want to read one thing. It's hard to read two things at the yeah. same time. And and they asked me about it. And I was like, well, to be honest, as someone who started many a Bible reading plan, later on, it's nice to just have some New Testament. It's nice to read mm-hmm. Matthew or Mark or Colossians along with, you know, Second Kings or some story about some really bad Israelite king who sins over and over again. So so to get through the Old Testament is daunting, Uh so reading them side by side does give us this this way. It's just a different approach. Mm-hmm. It's a different way of, of thinking about how, you know, we can be learning two things simultaneously about God. And it a- after you've read the Bible through once, you, you start con- putting putting the puzzle pieces together. But I understand for those of you who this is your first time, it's probably, it's hard. So a couple tips. So one thing is if you're behind, just jump straight ahead to Joshua. Just start with Joshua. You might want to read Deuteronomy 34, but just start with Joshua chapter one. And listen to the podcast from two weeks ago, because Joshua is harsh. And it, it may make God, like Megan said, seem really bad. But if you look at it in its context, you realize how gracious God is and the specifics mm-hmm. of that situation, particularly the Canaanite co- conquest. So that's my first thought is, is jump to Joshua. but. Some people may need to read Joshua for like three days in a row, read the Old Testament part, and then read the New Testament for two days. That's okay. Some people like, you know, reading them both at the same time. Some people do one in the morning, one in the evening. Uh, some people like maybe the Old Testament you got to do every day because the chapters are longer, but the New Testament reading you can, you know, reflect on later. And then there's a Psalm and a Proverb reading uh, every couple of days. So just whatever works for you, uh do it if if one week you read the old testament you read two weeks worth and then the next week re- you read two weeks worth of the new testament and psalms and proverbs that's okay the main goal is in two years we'll have read the entire bible yeah and we'll have preached through key parts of the bible and then in 10 years this is cool waypoint after about 10 years of waypoint existing we will have preached through almost every book of the bible all the wow. major parts uh-huh. of the bible so some of you may not even know that that's kind of the trajectory we're on but uh Waypoint was started by, with Acts, like going through Acts, and we'll finish, uh, and after 10 years, we'll finish covering every book of the Bible. So um, look awesome. forward to that. And today, we're looking at Acts 15. And why are we looking at Acts 15? Well, partly because we just finished reading Acts and the Bible reading plan, but also at our staff meeting, our Waypoint uh, staff meeting, uh, Lawrence asked different staff each week to lead the devotional. And last week, uh, Megan had the devotional. And she could have picked anything. She could have done a, you know, a, a poem or a passage from Scripture. We, the devotionals vary. It could be a song. Um, but she chose to look at the Jerusalem Council letter that they wrote from Acts chapter 15. So, Megan, why did you choose that uh, to share with us? And, uh, yeah, just share a little bit about why you chose that passage.
1: So I am doing the Bible reading plan. I'm a little bit behind. So for all you people who are a little behind... I'm with you. Stick with it. We can do it. Um, So I had recently read Acts 15, and it just hit me in a way that it has not hit me before. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because of kind of the climate of what's going on in the world right now, specifically with coronavirus. Um, Acts 15 highlights some tension in the church, tension between new Gentile believers and um, Jewish law and tradition specifically about circumcision. And so it, we, we get to see what the process was of working through that, how the leaders responded, and what the response was from um, the believers. And as a staff, I, we were spending a lot of time thinking and praying through coronavirus. When do we reopen? How do we have events? All this kind of stuff so that we're honoring everyone in our congregation and honoring God um, so I thought it would be helpful for us just to look at how can we be peacemakers here at our church um, as we're planning and thinking through coronavirus.
0: Wow, that's good, and it was probably one of the best we've had. Many great discussions yeah, that's as the staff, lively. but this was. I wish we would have. I would have just hit record. <laughs> that could have been the the podcast last week. I might start yeah. recording our staff devotions just mm-hmm. in case some of them are you know, could become a podcast just so you so the waypoint people can just hear how, you know, sometimes we're just our our staff meeting really is us just processing mm-hmm. what we're learning and what God's doing and how the word and, and, and our circumstances of ministering as as the staff of Waypoint Church, how God's teaching us. And so yeah.
2: Yeah, let me let me read this passage yeah. just so that we can as we kinda of jump in. So this is um again, Acts fifteen, starting in verse twenty two through twenty nine says So this is the council's letter to, to Gentile believers. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. With them they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Kilikia.
0: Uh, we, all right, I'm going to stop Eric right there. We Before the podcast started, we said, how should we say this? And I think I came up with something, how we should say this word. It's C-I-L-I-C-I-A, Celicia. So we listened to like an actual Bible reader online, and he read it one way. And then here's the... You know, then we listen to the Greek pronunciation. So Eric went with the Greek pronunciation from, the, from one of our
2: apps. So. All right. So, so believers in Antioch, Syria, and Kilikia. Kilikia. <laughs> Greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth that we, what we are writing, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements: you are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. All right. Well, that's The end of the letter. Yeah.
0: So that's a very short letter, and the context right before it, uh, Acts fifteen. Starts off that there's the sharp disagreement between some believers, uh, and Paul and Barnabas get word of it, and they're appointed to go to Jerusalem to to kind of deal with this issue. And the and the issue is that some of the believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. So this is saying that after the new the church is birthed, uh, many people become. Uh, believers, even Pharisees. And Jesus is very harsh toward the Pharisees, but many Pharisees become believers and uh, but they say this statement, the Gentiles must be circumcised and are, are required to keep the law of Moses. And in doing this, uh, Peter, who got this vision from God, you know earlier in Acts, who God begins to show him that what the new kingdom looks like and how Gentiles are grafted into this kingdom, and even what was promised in Isaiah. And there's actually a quote from Isaiah in this passage. So Paul and Barnabas go down, and, and they, they actually see amazing stuff happen. Uh, they see the Spirit move, and they see more people come to Christ. But they, they have to come up with something to send to the Gentile believers. that, And also that the Pharisees, these former Pharisee believers, these Jewish believers... These traditional Jewish believers with this high tradition, and think about it: the closer you are to Jerusalem, the more you're going to follow the tradition. I'm sure the 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 Jews who had, you know, lived three, four hundred, five hundred miles from Jerusalem, whose families were in this Greco-Roman world, probably they they wouldn't have they would have been around so many Greco-Roman people and other other ethnic people that they might have it might have been a little easier for them. But the closer you get to Jerusalem, it's much harder to grasp this. So then we get this letter and it's, it's fascinating. So what are some of your thoughts on the letter Megan, even, or, or Eric, you know, as, as we process this, like, yeah, just in its context, like why, what do you, what are some things that we can observe from this letter?
1: Um, I thought it was really like, what hit me first was that it's really empathetic to what the Gentile believers were going through and what they were feeling. Um, and a lot of this letter is, about like healing this situation, not these are the rules and how to follow it.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. Who, who's right or who's yeah, wrong. yeah, it's yeah. More
2: about yeah,
1: yeah. So it's I mean it's mostly that, and then it comes down to a very simple explanation of hey, here's the rule.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even I mean this isn't necessarily the content of the letter per se, but but even just the way that the these leaders, these apostles and elders. Chose to show leadership in this situation, how they chose to handle it. Not only did they write a letter, but then they also sent people who would would, would approve it or, or show give give credibility to what they're sending. To say yes, not only like they could have just sent the letter, mm-hmm. um, I, that that would have been enough. But but to actually then to have people there who can even. Uh, interpret the letter for them, who can speak on it, who can, you know, they can dialogue, they can ask questions for if they maybe, they, if they don't, if they lack understanding about it, mm-hmm. they're, they're there to, to to show the care that they have for them, and, and to show the love to, to, and I imagine, I mean that it was very encouraging to hear that, I mean, just to have this mm-hmm. struggle that, that was put before them, and then to have these leaders who have sought the Lord for counsel, mm-hmm. and to come back and, and to show, okay, here's here's what we think the Spirit is leading us to do, and it seems good to us. So
0: empathy is one thing Megan brought up, and then you're bringing up, like, the leaders take it seriously, and they pray about it, and they mm-hmm. they deal with it. And Paul was a Pharisee, too. I think right. we we forget that at this point of the story because he's Paul. You know, right. he's the guy who wrote Romans. He's the guy who wrote Galatians and Colossians and Ephesians. So we forget sometimes that he was just as Jewish, and God, you know, through his experience of, of God, you know, Jesus coming to him on the road to Damascus and the transformation. And as he's the apostle, so it it is amazing in redemptive history that God chooses a Pharisee Mm
2: -hmm. to bring
0: the gospel to the Gentiles. It would would have been easier for him to pick someone who maybe like a Timothy or somebody who grew up in kind of maybe a hybrid family, you know, mm -hmm. like there was some Jewishness in his family, but there was also some Greco-Roman stuff. You'd think that God would raise up the guy who could relate to both both cultures. Now, Paul did grow up in a Greco-Roman city uh, before he becomes a Pharisee. Uh, his I mean, that's, his that's first what, city.
2: One of the things that I love about the way God does things sometimes yeah. is that it, it's so very opposite of how humanity would think to do things. Yeah. That it, it there's no other explanation other than it must be God doing yeah. work here.
0: Even even each character in this thing. So Barnabas is obviously one of the older key leaders. Then you have Paul, a former Pharisee. Then you have Peter, who Jesus appoints to be the leader of the movement the moment he meets him. He changes his name from Simon to Peter, but John's the more stable guy anyway, so John mm-hmm. probably should have been, you know, on paper, John's the better leader. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus allows both of them to lead, but he, he, he appoints Peter. Then you have James, who's mm-hmm. mentioned here. James is the half-brother of Jesus, right. who during Jesus' earthly ministry doesn't even acknowledge Jesus mm-hmm. as the Messiah. Right. Like so, you, so you, you see all these things that God is doing here, and then I love that in in chapter in chapter fifteen verse sixteen, um, they quote Isaiah, and they say, "After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tents, its ruins, and I will rebuild and I will restore it, and the and the rest of mankind will seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name," says the Lord, "will do these things." And these are things that they had known for a long time, from a long mm-hmm. time ago. So what uh, Paul and Barnabas and James are doing is they're bringing them back. They're saying, you want to bring them back to Moses, and we want to bring them back to Moses, too. Mm-hmm. But let's look at what Isaiah says, the prophet that Moses promised, and ultimately Jesus is the final prophet. Let's look at what it means. There, there's something that was already in our scripture that's going to say that when the Gentiles come to us, God is going to give us a way and show us. And Jesus does that. So they're I love how they're just tying it all together. But then they bring up these, these three restrictions. So Megan, I don't know if you have any thoughts or when you're thinking about us and our, like, why, what about, why, why these three restrictions? It says, instead of saying you have to be circumcised to, to be a Christian, which is a cultural and religious mandate, uh, they, they say you don't have to be. Now baptism we as most most Christians today believe that baptism replaces circumcision and that's why we we are baptized into Christ and there's mm-hmm. there's a similar ritual where we're joining the covenant community but there's these three things and it's it's saying abstain from foo- food sacrificed to idols from blood or four things from the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. So when you read this, you, you know, what did what did you think when you first saw this and maybe what do, what do you think of this in light of, you know, its original context? Any thoughts?
1: Well, well, when I read through this, I didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about these specific mm-hmm. things, if mm-hmm. I'm being honest. So um, you were
0: focused more on the empathy and like yeah. the, the tone of the letter. Yeah. And then when you
2: came to staff meeting, I brought in all the theology yeah. of like,
0: <laughs> yeah. wow, look at this and this and this.
2: Yeah. 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 So that's, it's good. It, that, I'm sure you read through that and you're like, well... I'm probably not going to do those things anyway, so that seems right, like it seems right, reasonable. Right. Like, so no, you don't whatever. eat rare steaks. So, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't like rare steak, actually. There Medium you go. See, so you're the
0: following way. the Drew. <laughs> Megan follows the Jerusalem Council. Lawrence does not. He eats steaks that's that are rare. That means. <laughs> it says blood. Come oh. on. Okay, that's so, not what that is in the steak. <laughs> so, so you. So for you, what uh, other than the empathy? Was there anything else that you were just like, wow, like this? This just really sticks out.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think overall, this goes along with empathy, but with humility also, which humility, I think there's a lot yes, of humility here. Um, and even before the letter, like it talks about how they spent a lot of time talking about this and seeking God, um, which takes humility in and of itself, you know, mm-hmm. not to just come down with a decree on your own. Yeah. Um, but it really, to me, felt like an act of peacemaking rather than peacekeeping, mm-hmm. um, which. Huh.
0: Can I put that on Twitter? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> um,
0: you didn't get wait. that from Tim Keller or something. <laughs> Normally, when, when me or Lawrence Eric get something, sometimes we're reading it for someone else, so we can't we mm. can't claim it. But mm, we can.
1: right, right, yeah. I mean, Scripture tells us, "Blessed are the peacemakers," and it's just good to think through what's peacemaking versus peacekeeping in my own life, in your context. Um, so that's yeah, kind of where my Could you thoughts flesh went. that
2: out? Like, can we flesh that out a little more? Of like, what's the difference between peacemaking versus pe- peacekeeping?
1: Yeah, I mean, I am someone who hates conflict. Uh-huh. Like for my Enneagram people out there, I'm an Enneagram 9. <laughs> Basically, I live to avoid conflict. Okay. So, <laughs> peacekeeping is my norm. Okay. Um, but that's it's avoiding not avoiding the helpful. situation. Avoid yeah. you don't want to rock the boat. Right, yeah. I don't want to rock the boat. Um, but we need to live in tension. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even when you were talking earlier Danny about like um gosh, what was it? Maybe about the Old Testament and the New Testament, or even like in Joshua, when it, it is challenging to read through. If you're like me and you want to keep the peace, you might just cut that off and be like, "Ah, that was the Old Testament." But there's a tension there that is really helpful to lean into. Um, but also, in in life with friends, we have to lean into tension, and hmm. that it won't us, just go away on its own. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> No. no. Okay. <laughs> um, I that maybe that you leads had us some to insight. We, I, yeah. I mean,
2: even yeah, it hasn't like gone away from me it t- it <laughs> yeah. tends to stay here. I mean, if you if you if if a married couple came to me and was like, "Yeah, my wife and I, or you know, me and my spouse, we have no conflict ever," I'd be like, "How long have you been married?" You mm-hmm. know, and then if they're like ten years, like you never had conflict in ten years. Do you guys spend time together? Mm. Like, do you actually do you actually live together? Do you really know each other? And I think, I mean, in any family, any family context, I think if we if we said there is an absence of conflict, then we'd really that would be unhealthy, not healthy. And mm. so I think I think for us to be able to press in and say okay, uh, press in and and actually confront what is going on or confront what tensions are there, it doesn't mean that we're gonna be right all the time or that we're going to have all the answers. I think that's usually what how we approach those contexts is I generally think I'm right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think every single one of us thinks that right. so like I'm, I'm going to be right in this issue. So, uh, but, but to lean in and, and to work through the, the tension and to have that posture of humility, like you're saying of, okay, there's going to be things here that need to be exposed to myself. Like I have blind spots. I have things that I need to learn and grow in. And, and I just wonder as as we're we have all these different uh confrontations, all these different conflicts that that are just arising and in our face right now, uh specifically as we're talking about COVID and thinking about how much this could create so much disunity in the church. Um, you know, one of the things that, that it this passage in particular leads me to think about is what seems good to the Holy Spirit in this context and in this environment. What what does God have to say about these things? And am I seeking His voice? Am I seeking His counsel? Because there's information overload. I'm seeking counsel in a lot of other places. I'm seeking to find information and resources and expertise from numerous other places. But have I sought the Lord's counsel? Have I sought the Lord's voice? Am I listening to Him and what, what He might be doing right now? And to, can I yield to that, and then and then approach my brother or sister in Christ with with charity and grace as, as we try to grow together and and even realizing we're we're members of the same body and so we're we're meant to build each other up. And so what what can I how, how can I gain from that? How can I how can I use what what the Lord has shown me or what he's doing in my life to build you up, but then how, am I open enough to to think you can do the same for me? I think I think that's part of the posture of humility that we need to see in this conversation.
0: Yeah, and I love how Megan God showed you the posture of humility and the posture of empathy in this in this passage and even when you read it you immediately thought about COVID and and Mm -hmm. the quarantine and the response and and because when I read it you know even as I was reading it as you kind of gave that as the framework I I kept noticing because maybe I'm a culture guy and I cross cultures a lot with my Mm -hmm. job on campus but you know this the the four things and I noticed that of the four things food polluted from idols, sexual immorality, meat of strangled animals, and from blood. And then that three of the four are never really mentioned again in the New Testament. They're just like suggestions. Obviously, sexual immorality in every letter, Paul tells us to be careful mm-hmm. of that. There's some clear guidelines. But the three that are more about food laws and idols, It in right before the letter, it says in verse 21, for the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times. And it's basically, this is also... An empathy toward the Jews, toward those former Pharisees, saying, like, these these few – if you want to reach – now, remember, there are many Jewish people at the time who are not believers in Jesus. If you want to reach them, you're going to have to enter into their cultural context. Just like when we go into communities where Mm -hmm. there's a lot of Muslim people, we'll, like, uh, we'll change our dress. You know, we won't wear – We'll wear pants or we'll do things when we go to a different cultural context. We might do things so to show that culture love. So, the three things that they add really are saying they're not for all the church for all time, they're for okay. I'm telling the Pharisees that you can totally be a believer without being cir- circumcised. They're gonna, for some of them, they might struggle with this their whole life, these former Pharisees. Mm-hmm you may as a greco-roman person or timothy or some other people may get over it but they're going to struggle with this because that to them that's what that's what it means to be a person of god but for you but but for you guys who are the greco-roman people that aren't circumcised that you're entered into the covenant community i'm just going to ask you to do these few things to show them love like, don't show up at their house with meat sacrifice from idols because it's just going to be a stumbling block that's going to – there's no way that they're going to want to believe the good news of Jesus mm-hmm. if, if you're going to do these things. So, so there's a give and take on both sides, and I, and I think that there's beauty in that. And what's amazing is, is this situation, probably the Pharisee – the former Pharisee group thought they were 100% right and that even Paul and Barnabas or whoever was – Peter was 100% wrong. But what they did was show that that the way God's kingdom works and the way the kingdom that Jesus built is we're going to have to really seek what is the Spirit teaching us and how do we move forward in that. Mm-hmm. So that leads into this COVID situation, coronavirus quarantine. And for those at home, that we are also dealing with the, the racism issue right now, and, and I could Infuse that into this same passage. We're not going to talk about that in this podcast. We did talk about it in last week's podcast, but when Megan originally brought this up, it was for COVID. And we feel mm-hmm. like this th- for today's podcast, we're just talking about how do we be Christians who are really divided on this issue, mainly just because we just want to worship God. We just want to gather back together. We want to love our neighbor. We want to listen to the experts. We want to be safe. We don't want anyone to get sick. And we want to be able to just live life. So So we're in this tension. That,
1: that sounds pretty easy, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so what are some things that we can learn from this passage that might help us with our present tension? What are some things? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's the million dollar question, right?
0: The mil- so at the end of this podcast all of you listening, we're going to answer the question. You can listen to this and you'll be fine. <laughs> and the church will move forward with, with all the answers. No. So <laughs> not at all. But what are some things? Yeah, like why what what can we glean from this that's going to help us move forward?
1: I think what the what the leaders initially did was discuss and seek the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so um that's one thing for sure and and something we've been doing is discussing with each other at staff meeting outside of staff meeting and praying like god what do we do in this situation
2: yeah and and to dovetail on that idea i think that as as we're looking at acts 15 um knowing that they're facing a circumstance they're facing a dilemma that they genuinely weren't sure what to do about i mean it I think that there's there's benefit in being able to look at, at the the wealth of church history and to see the many different complex issues that they've dealt with before. But in this situation, we don't really have that luxury. I mean, I guess we could, that, I mean, that's one of the things that I've thought about look is at like a hundred years 19, ago, 19, what did they 18? do? How like, what did, how the did they do, do kids ministry? Right. How did 18, they do 19. kids ministry during the... Like yeah. I've, I've wondered that, but that takes time to find that resource or resources, and reading—that's a whole thing, right? But
0: did they have VBS or not in, a, in eighteen <laughs> in the summer of eighteen nineteen? Did they? I think did they, they... called it a
2: Leisure Bible School. Okay. I don't know if they called it a Vacation <laughs> Bible School. Um, but I think I think that you know seeking seeking the counsel of the Lord, but but also they they came to a resolution. They came, eventually they came out of that and the church was able to grow from that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it benefited a, a number of people through that. Like it, it benefited those involved. And so I think there's, even even before that, there's reason for us to trust God to move. There's reason for us to trust God, God's spirit to, to guide us and to lead us through this. Um, and so we should seek his counsel. I think we should have confidence in him. I think we should have confidence in knowing that, that he can lead us through this circumstance and that even in the midst of all of the, the trials that, that we're facing right now, and, I mean, very real. I mean, th- these things have hit very close to home. Some of the people who, I mean, we, many of us know people directly or indirectly who, uh, who have struggled because of the coronavirus. They've, they've had it. Or they know people they've lost loved ones, or we know people who have lost loved ones through this, and and so it is a very real and and challenging emotional thing, and we don't want to. Obviously, we're not taking it lightly, and we wouldn't we wouldn't want to just take it lightly. And they didn't take this situation lightly, no. um, and so just learning how to. Uh, seek the Lord, but, but then be present with the people. And and what does that look like for us today? What does it look like for us to be present with our people? And just, just to, to hear and, and to, to, um, to talk with one another, if that has to be through zoom or if it can be in person, social distancing, wearing face masks, and so be it. But, but I think that too is important is just being able to, to know what's going on in, in the different people and in the life of our, our church body and, um, and to not, not be so quick to, to force opinions. I'm not, I'm not saying that people are doing that, but not be quick to force your own opinion, but be quick to hear and and know and understand and and love and and speak uh, generously toward one another, to to be charitable toward each other and how we're, we're thinking through this rather than thinking, you're not thinking like I am, you're an idiot, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And
0: Um, even though people won't say that, that's, that's where our sinful heart will go. Right. When, that's that's when the it, posture when it's of a our di- spirit, yeah. When it's a dis- divisive issue and we feel strongly about something, it, 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 like these Pharisees felt very strongly about this. Yeah. And and it seems right. Like the law of Moses is is the most important thing. And Jesus says, you know, like every word is true. Like it's not like Jesus says, throw away your Old Testaments. We're starting over. Like Jesus, and all their teaching is from the Old Testament. In, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen basically tells the gospel by reciting the whole account of Moses. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, he goes in, it's this extremely long detail, like saying that the gospel of Jesus goes back to Moses and the covenant God makes with Abraham. So they were right in that. And I love right after they, they bring this question, it says in verse six, the apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed the crowd. So Peter's the one who had the hardest time with it initially. And if you read Galatians two, Peter still struggles with this after this, and he yeah. shows favor to Jewish believers and Paul actually addresses and confronts Peter the leader of the church gets confronted mm-hmm. sometimes people like to say if we could just go back to like the early church everything would be okay like that's the problem we're not like them and i'd be like we're just like them they struggled they had disagreements and they had to trust the spirit and they actually Peter was wrong mm-hmm. in this thing and and god had to teach him through that but peter's the one who stands up here yeah, so I, I like what you're saying, Eric. That it's even if we have a strong opinion, when we come to the table with brothers and sisters, we're gonna have to just really listen, be humble, acknowledge that for some reason they have a different opinion than us, and God is God loves them too, and they're seeking God and they're reading the scriptures. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts on this? As yeah, this is this is good stuff. Thanks, Megan, for bringing it up, and thanks to all of you at home. And guys, this is just the beginning of the conversation. And we at Waypoint, we love you guys, and we're a covenant community. We do have leaders who are, you know, it's their full-time job, or for our, our lay elders, it's, you know, it's a commitment they've made for three years to commit to this, and our staff and our pastoral staff and our elders, and we're all working together to process this. We're seeking counsel. We're seeking Scripture. We meet... We talk to our small group leaders, we, Lawrence and and the other staff, we just try to meet with as many people as possible. We're listening, but at the same time, we have to just kind of take it all in and ask God, okay, God, what do you, what are, Spirit, what are you leading us to do moving forward? And you may disagree with our decision or you may disagree with part of our decision and we're asking you to trust us, but keep the dialogue alive and let's, let's be a people that Advance the kingdom of God like they did in Acts, even when they came to this. This could have been the split, this could have been a disaster, but no, because the Spirit was working in them and they all were humble and they all showed empathy toward each other and they yielded to the Spirit, God actually uses this to spread the kingdom to more and more people. And Acts continues you know, and you, you the gospel goes out, the gospel doesn't like the church doesn't divide here and it turns into a big mess, but. Through this, God really continues to use every person that was at that council. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how those Pharisees were changed, those former Pharisees were changed. And I wonder how those guys who are Greco-Roman people who are like, wow, the gospel is for us, and it, mm-hmm. it, it can relate directly to me, Yeah, like as is. I don't have to become culturally Jewish to get the gospel. Mm-hmm. I can get it directly. Mm-hmm. And they're even using my Greek language for their letters, mm. that's cool. Yeah, you know, even though so they're they're compromising for me, mm-hmm. so I can compromise for them. They're submitting to me. They're showing me love. I can show them love. So this is the really the beginning of how different people who disagree, different ethnic groups, all these people can fit together. So,
2: yeah, praise God, praise yeah. God that He's not not done with us. Yeah, that, that we we're not we're not anything close to what being perfect would look like i mean we have we have so far to go right as but, individuals but as god's, small groups
0: as a church mm-hmm.
2: but just because we see disagreements before us now doesn't mean that god's done with us like he he's still working he and he's bringing he's making his church beautiful and so we can trust him in that he jesus is invested in in the body of christ yeah.
0: amen. amen well thank you Thank you, Megan, for your special appearance. Thank you for the Spirit, Holy Spirit for leading and laying uh, Acts 15 on Megan's heart last week. And guys, we're here for you. If you ever have any questions, you can always email us. We And we're going to continue to learn and study the Bible together. If you ever have something that you come across in the Bible reading plan that you want to be part of the podcast, let us know. Can't promise that we'll do it, but we'll try. And uh, yeah, have a great week. Have a great
2: week.